there was a tattoo artist from Vegas, literally, that was do doing a tattoo with his dentist, and they started talking about the X Prize and this competition to clean up oil. And that tattoo artist was pretty used to skimming up ink off of skin and that mechanism of doing that and thought through ingenuity, I wonder if we could create a model that skims up the oil. And they ended up testing that in their swimming pool and came into the finals and were significantly better than anything the government or the industry had come up with. Welcome to Moonshot, the show exploring the world's biggest ideas and the people making them happen. I'm Christopher Lawson, and when we think of Moonshot ideas, often we're looking at some big technology company that has a lot of cash to sink into some crazy futuristic plan. But today we have a special interview with a man who is at the forefront of making those Moonshot ideas accessible to anyone. Marcus Shingles is the CEO of XPRIZE a global competition encouraging anybody with a creative spirit and an innovative idea to take on the grand challenges facing humanity. I spoke with Marcus at Web Summit in Portugal about the work XPRIZE is doing and how tools like AI could be used to democratise problem solving. I'll start off by getting you to introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah, Marcus Shingles. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the XPRIZE Foundation. We do incentive competitions, global competitions, where we take a grand challenge facing humanity. We think about the innovation moonshots that are required to make major progress in solving that grand challenge. And then we create these somewhat behavioral science instruments that we dress up as competitions and put out to the world to try and incentivize small teams and individuals to be creative, invent, and innovate to solve that, uh, to come up with a moonshot to solve that grand challenge. When we're talking about the, the sorts of moonshots that you approach with XPRIZE, what makes a good XPRIZE challenge? So the, the end result that makes the model work, because not everything fits into an incentive competition crowdsourced prize theory methodology that we use. It has to be, um, it, it's an intricate instrument that you have to design to actually be optimized in that particular model. The end result that we look for that we know it will be successful is if we can put this competition format together, put it out to the world, and through that approach, hit three targets. The first, get a critical mass, meaning not just a few teams or a dozen teams, but hundreds if not thousands of, of really legitimate teams, critical mass of diverse individuals, diverse perspectives. So if we put up a competition and we think we're going to get thousands of teams, but they're all from the expert community, usually the expert community is the ones that will tell us it can't get done <laughs> that through an X prize. So we try to make sure we get a good diverse spread, people with different perspectives, um, maybe trying to take music and art to solve an education challenge, a non-traditional approach, 
or someone who's not in the industry at all, who's never thought about that problem, but has a particular expertise in something like AI or robotics or 3D printing or biotech that just through that lens feels there's a different way to, to solve that problem. So that critical mass with that level of diversity, and then we want it to generate rapid experimentation. How do you ensure that diversity when you're talking about encouraging people from different different fields to approach an XPRIZE? How do you ensure that you get that diverse community and from various countries as well? Yeah, so before we dis- even determine to launch an XPRIZE competition in a particular domain, we'll go research that crowd. So we'll go identify if there's... Um, a market, so to speak, for it. Now, we're a nonprofit, and the teams keep all their intellectual property. So we're trying to create incentives, however, to get them to spend their own time, money, and resource to solve that grand challenge. So we go out through the university system. We go out and work with groups like the United Nations and others to try to vet to see if that crowd could be active. And essentially, we're trying to, to, um, to identify if we put out this grand challenge in competition format, are there enough incentives for people around the world from different countries, through different professions, different walks of life, to actually put in their own time and effort to solve the problem? And there's a lot of behavioral factors that would get them to do I'll just give you one, for example. We have a Google Lunar X Prize, $30 million that Google put up for putting a robot on the moon. Um, in that case, you might be an, an inventor or engineer And you might have an investor that you've been talking with for years about doing something with space. And you're just kind of waiting on the fence for when you really go full force. Next thing you know, you hear this X Prize get announced for $30 million. And you call up your investor and say, well, look at X Prize, independent third party nonprofits doing this competition. They're going to create testing facilities. They're going to create a network of experts for us to have access to. They're going to have a help desk to give us some coaching and advice. They're going to introduce us to other partners that we could connect with. Um, And most importantly, investor, um, I, as your engineer, you can vet me because if I end up in the top 100 or the top 50 of this X prize, you know I must be legitimate. I must have the real capability to do this. So that's an incentive factor that you as an inventor would want to get into this model because it's accretive to what, you're, what you and your, your investor community are going to do anyways. You could use it as, as validation for your idea. 100%. And, and so that's a good example when you ask the question, how do we get that diversity and how do we know that people will come out to, to compete on these prizes? We'll research and see that that's what's in the market right now, that the market would embrace an prize right now because there's enough inventors, innovators out there that could look for capital through our model or through validation. Can you talk about some of the some of the prizes that uh, have already been awarded and um, and sort of where you see the various prizes going? Like, is there any particular areas of interest uh, that that you're sort of focused on at the moment? Yeah. So, well, so X Prize has different what we call grand challenge domains: health and well-being, education and learning, um, space and exploration, uh, infrastructure, shelter energy we have a new domain that we've around civil society so we have these different domains they line up pretty well to the SDGs of the UN um, and then within those domains specifically what we're interested in as a nonprofit is we're trying to look for the void 
Um, where, where is there a grand challenge that faces humanity that traditional problem solvers in society are not pulling their weight? They're not, they're not solving those problems for a variety of reasons. There might, you know, for example, industry is not solving the problem because there's no profit motive in it. Or government is too linear on their lens of solving the problem and they need exponential moonshots and it's, it's too audacious or too much of a risk for them to go and extend themselves uh, in that capacity. So we look for that void and we, it's really a process of elimination. We look for a grand challenge like oceans. We do a lot of work with in oceans. I mean, that's just a perfect example. Um, after the oil spill in the Gulf in the U.S., you saw them take out 50-year-old technology to clean up oil spills. You know, that's a case in point. There's no private industry motivation to, to create this burgeoning innovation around oil spill cleanups. You know, the market's not there. There's no profit there. Um, government is not innovating in that technology. And so that, that made a perfect X prize because it, it was, well, if we could dress up a competition around oil cleanup, create a facility to actually test it. You know, XPRIZE doesn't do idea competitions. You have to actually prove that you can do something 10x. And so in that case, we rented out a facility in the U.S., one of the only in the world that has um, a huge wave pool. Uh, I think it was 50, 50 to 100 meters of water, dumped a million dollars of oil into it. And then that was the final competition to take all these inventors uh, inventions and try to put it into that model to see if they could clean up better than the way the government has done it or the oil industry itself has done it um, and sure enough we had 500 600 700 percent improvement over anything that was st the status quo up to that point and more importantly it's who made it into those finals um, there was a tattoo artist from Vegas literally that was do doing a tattoo with his dentist and they started talking about the X Prize in this competition to clean up oil and that tattoo artist was pretty used to skimming up ink off of skin and that mechanism of doing that and thought through ingenuity I wonder if we could create a model that skims up the oil and they ended up testing that in their swimming pool and came into the finals and were significantly better than anything the government or the industry had come up with but there were five or six examples like that of just different lenses on the problem to come in to actually solve that problem and that's the beauty of when you do the model right is you get that diversity and the needle in the haystack essentially comes comes to you through that model how can technologies like ai be used to speed up and improve the problem solving process well there's some good examples of that i mean i was uh, i was just at google zeitgeist that's google's private event that they have um it was about a week and a half ago, and they were Calico, which is the health, the life sciences division of Google. Sorry, of Apple. Sorry, of Alphabet. <laughs> um, their executives shared some of the ways they're using AI to accelerate, you know, using it as innovation for good. And they talked a lot about the Zika virus. And um, Calico, the division of Alphabet, has created this technology with AI to take. Um, engineered mosquitoes that have the genes to pass on male offspring, which essentially will deplete the species of mosquito that are spreading the Zika virus. And they use AI in that model by taking these mosquitoes and through machine vision, the mosquito was able to identify the male from female and then salvage the males, discard the females, 
in or of these mosquitoes in order to take those males and then put them out into the into um, the uh, ecosystem to uh, uh, breed and eventually take that species of mosquito out of the equation, which is fighting the Zika virus. But AI was doing that. AI was the machine vision that was making those determinations. So there's a lot of good examples of how we're already seeing AI being used in very progressive ways for for helping solve some really big challenges. There's an awful lot of discussion around ethics around AI. Do you feel that there's some sort of like responsibility with what you're doing to to ensure that if people do use AI in solving these these grand challenges that they use them in a responsible way. Yeah, we do XPRIZE did a summit last year with the United Nations in Geneva with ITU, uh, the division of the UN, called AI for Good. Um, and that was the whole dialogue of the, the three-day summit was um, what responsibility do we have in the AI community uh, to think through some of the protocols or guiding principles. Um, you know, it's one of those things like if you, you know, uh, fire is a technology that can be used for good and used for bad. And it's so ubiquitous, it's somewhat uncontrollable. Meaning if someone wants to use fire for bad, they're going to use fire for bad uh, because the access to it. And I think part of the interesting thing to talk about is the fact that as AI becomes democratized as a capability that an individual has access to via AI in the cloud, um, the reality is it's, it's not really a in control. It's not really in a controllable format anymore. It's something that everybody has access to. I guess the question is, um, you clearly see fire being used more for good. Every family, every household, every citizen of the world uses it to make their food, to warm their homes, etc. And that's predominantly more than anywhere you're seeing it be used for bad, arson, etc. So, um, just because a technology is powerful for good or for bad doesn't mean that it's going to be evenly distributed in that way. Uh, but sure, there's significant risk because you could have nefarious actors and um, the, the capability you're afforded with through AI uh, allows you to invent and innovate in ways that an individual never could before. And if you wanted to innovate for bad instead of innovating for good, yes, you, that's, that's a legitimate risk. And we'll have more with Marcus Shingles right after this break. Before the break, we were talking with Marcus Shingles from XPRIZE about how they solve the world's grandest challenges by turning them into a competition. Those competitions cover a really broad spectrum of ideas, from space to education, and have huge prize money attached. And they're all designed to attract both individuals and large teams to solve those big moonshot ideas. We were also talking about using artificial intelligence for good, and given the rise of AI, I wanted to know whether Marcus thought that AI systems were actually helping to democratize the problem-solving process. Well, yeah, well, and, it's, and it's also the convergence of AI with other aspects that we see now with big data. So you have cognitive analytics. Um, yeah, that, 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 can take, that can make an individual all of a sudden uh, more capable than a large company. Think about the insurance industry, you know, health insurance, car insurance, auto insurance, the whole insurance industry essentially is based on data, having good access to data, and intelligence. 
crunching that data to figure out algorithms that understand your risk profile. That's what really what you're doing in insurance. Um, companies have worked for decades, large organizations, to perfect that with teams of actuaries that run and crunch the data for them. Well now, who's really good at data and intelligence? It's no longer the big insurance companies, it's companies like Google or Facebook have better access to data. Um, and intelligence is being democratized, you know, at least with cognitive analytics. So yeah, all of a sudden you realize that an industry that you've created over decades and a competency you've created over decades that you think are your assets can almost become your liability. Because you got a lot of human intelligence supplied on and you got a lot of data that you've collected but now you have new forms of data that you're not exposed to as a traditional insurance company and you have access and you're not probably progressing artificial intelligence as an insurance company like like other companies like Google and others are doing. So yeah, there's um, uh, there are count I, I think every industry right now has exposure and blind spots to the fact that their assets, traditional assets are actually becoming some of their liabilities as more agile, nimble, nimble, and more adaptable entrepreneurs come into the fields with this type of democratized capability. When you look at uh, traditional education models, and I know that uh, you do have prizes related to education and, and have done, is a degree, like a bachelor's degree at, at a university, is that still required to change the future? Well, something that's interesting is if you look at the, the incentive competition, well, let me put it this way. I, um, it depends on where you get that bachelor degree. Also, um, I think the biggest... So I was a partner at Deloitte Consulting before I took the role as CEO of XPRIZE. And I had a practice there that was focused on... It was a global practice focused on disruptive innovation, the technologies that we're talking about and how that's used in a business context. And the most difficult people that I would find for my practice area were not people that graduated from top schools with an expertise in a particular field like AI or robotics or additive manufacturing or biotech. It was actually those individuals that had the best understanding of the convergence of these technologies. Right? So think about that. You're, the, most skillful, the most skillful talent is going to be someone that has an, a, a portfolio understanding of all these emerging trends of technology because it's the integration of those technology and the convergence of those technologies that becomes the most powerful. So if you have good business sense, either as a nonprofit or for-profit model, and you have a good understanding, maybe you're not an expert, you have a good understanding of AI, of 3D printing, of advanced robotics, of nanotechnology, of quantum computing, of biotechnology, of the blockchain. You understand that whole spectrum, that whole portfolio, and you understand the convergence of those technologies and you have good business strategy sense, that, that is the most precious skill set you can have. That, that's going to be the, 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 the best, um, that's going to be the most optimal uh, 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 form of education you can obtain for yourself. I don't see a lot of places doing that. Singularity University is the closest to it right now as far as creating this convergence. That's almost why they existed because that wasn't being, that wasn't being supplied by the rest of the educational institutions this convergence of all these into the contextual setting of how do I now apply them towards solving the problems. So the education uh, is wired. I mean, even if you go to campuses today, there's a computer science campus in college. There's then a, uh, a biology you know, campus in college, healthcare, there's a, or health sciences. There's a engineering school. They're not converging. 
they're separate universities within a university system. So I think the more progressive and contemporary thinking on this, like I said, Singular University and others are the ones that are starting to converge these into a discipline all in itself. Are there any trends that you're noticing in the teams that are entering XPRIZE and the ones that are successful? I think some of the trends are that they, the level of creative creativity in, in terms of the perspective they have and the lens they have on solving the problem are very diverse. So um, I call it kind of the, the full art of the possible has expanded. So you have a big problem out there and maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was one single lens on how to solve that problem because there weren't a lot of tool sets as an entrepreneur in your toolbox. Now, when we have a big problem, a big challenge, it's, oh, I'm looking at how we do, uh, you know, deal with voting technologies. Well, blockchain is now a component of that versus just electro, uh, just mechanical machines. Um, artificial intelligence can be used to filter fake news, perhaps. I mean, there's just the whole, the toolbox you have is much broader than it used to be, the, t- the toolbox of an entrepreneur. And so what you can see in the last five, six, seven years that I think is unique is that art of the possible spectrum in terms of what capabilities are being used and applied toward a problem are, are much more diverse in the portfolio, the spectrum of different angles in which that problem is being looked at is much more uh, uh, widespread than it has been in the past. Does it take a particular sort of person to want to take on these grand challenges? Or can people learn to to become the sort of person that that is willing to, to take on these almost impossible tasks? That's a good question. I mean, the, the, at XPRIZE, what we're focused on is that citizens of the world will will start to have this innate have this innate um, passion to giving back to society everybody so we're relying on the 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 google engineer or the startup in tel aviv or the the group of entrepreneurs in silicon valley that are working on applying their intellect for commercial purposes because that's the majority of people are going to do that. They're going to look at commercial purposes to get rewarded for their, for their ideas, uh, the for-profit model. But what we're hoping is that if you're that startup in Silicon Valley and you're working on using new virtual reality and augmented reality technology to come up with good gaming or good entertainment or, unfortunately, pornography, the, the, the invisible hand of capitalism will draw you in a certain direction commercially. We're hoping that that intellect and that critical mass of people that are getting into these fields to work on commercial ventures will spend their nights and weekends trying to give back to society with that intellect. So you'll use your virtual reality, augmented reality skills to produce the games by day, but on nights and weekends you'll compete on our Empathy X Prize to try to change the whole field of psychology by creating virtual reality, augmented reality technology that actually changes the empathetic uh, regions of your brain. And that's really what we're relying on. So it's not so much trying to delineate and saying, hey, XPRIZE teams are only those teams that are trying to do good with technology. No, we're trying to appeal to the critical mass of entrepreneurs that are out there that are commercial entrepreneurs that hopefully they'll spend some of their nights and weekends being social entrepreneurs as well. What inspires you to, to work with XPRIZE and work on these moonshot ideas? Well, it's, part, it's one part inspiration and once part it's one part anxiety um <laughs> what i mean by that is uh you know i was doing commercial work for years um 
and I saw a period of history happening right now that I've never seen in my 25 years of doing industry and management consulting, which was the amount of innovation that's happening and the fact that it's happening at such a individual level. And so it was a little bit through anxiety that I realized problems in the world are becoming pretty significant and they're not getting as much focus. But the optimistic side of me saw this amount of innovation that's happening in the commercial space. And so what drew me to XPRIZE was just the notion of, can we harness that to actually solve big problems? I, I legitimately f feel that the there's an asset class that's emerging right now um, in the human species, which is we're all getting connected, literally getting connected via the internet. The planet will be connected within the next 10 years. We're talking about adding 5 billion more people into this connected network. And we're all getting sophisticated with technologies. If you look at that landscape, what do you think about? You think there's, it's not only the democratization of technology, it's the democratization of problem solving. And that you can get pretty optimistic about that, that if we can hit a critical mass that, of, of, of the crowd that has access to solving problems, that's never existed before. We've relied on a handful of companies or industry or governments to try to solve big problems. It's never been such a, uh, such a critical mass of individuals that can now can rapidly experiment on solving big problems. So part, one part anxiety of feeling like the problems in the world are getting much more significant and some of them are running out of time. <laughs> But at the same time, we have this emergence at an exponential trend of, of problem solving that is being afforded to individuals, which makes this new asset class that we have that can be tapped into. And that's, that's what we try to do at XPRIZE. That's it for another episode of Moonshot. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think about the show by sending us a message on our website. It's moonshot.audio. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Moonshot Pod. Also, make sure you check out our sponsors for this episode. You can find some links in the show notes to the special deals mentioned throughout the show. Without their support, we just wouldn't be able to make this show happen. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our cover artwork is by Andrew Millist. Moonshot is a production of Lawson Media, and it's hosted by me, Christopher Lawson, and also Andrew Moon. Join us next time on Moonshot as we explore some more ideas that are about to change your future. Moonshot.